Welcome to Fireside Nets with Spen and Nick, brought to you by Empire Sports Media. It is episode number 90 of our Nets podcast. It is about 5 o'clock on December 20th. It is Monday. And Nick, the NBA is in turmoil. The Nets are coming off uh, a game that was suspended. I'm just going to stop you right there. Are you wearing a Christmas sweater? I am, yeah. It says... I drink and I know things like from Tyrion Lannister on the Game of Thrones. Okay, I approve. There you go. I am wearing a Christmas sweater. Uh, but anyway, uh, yeah, the Nets had their game on Sunday postponed against the Nuggets. They played the Magic on Saturday. Well, they kind of played the Magic. It was like the Nets G League team against the Magic G League team and then a bunch of like veterans sprinkled in there i think the best player in that nets magic game was robin lopez but we'll get to that we'll get to uh the two shorthanded wins against the 76ers and against the raptors that were absolutely incredible but nick we have to start this episode with the it's not really breaking news anymore it was on friday um we're getting kyrie irvin back well sort of he it was announced on Friday by Sham Sharania and then confirmed by Adrian Wojnarowski that Kyrie Irving will return to the Nets as a part-time player, meaning he is still not getting the vaccination, at least for the time being, but he will be able to play in road games, will not be able to play at Barclays, will be able to practice with the team. Uh, so basically the Nets after, you know, the well, there's also of- a select number of arenas he can't play. Right. In, right? You're right. So I, I guess to finish that out, he is able to play in road games where he's eligible to play, but you're right. He's not allowed to play in Madison square garden. And I don't think he's allowed to play in Toronto. I don't and think there, in Boston either. There might, yeah, there might be one or two others. Um, this is an, a drastic change from the Nets decision not to do this at the beginning of the season. The Nets took a firm stance. They basically said he's either all in or he's not in at all. And they collectively chose to sort of keep Kyrie out of things. But then obviously these last few weeks, the COVID numbers have gone up. The the way that the NBA tests is a lot more strict. It's a lot more hands-on than the way the NFL tests. So basically everyone in the fucking league has COVID. Uh, And I'll I'll get to the Nets that, that, you know, haven't been playing these last few days and are, MVP uh, was also in health and safety protocols, but we start Nick with your reaction to the decision by the Nets to bring back Kyrie as a part-time player or a roadie. Uh, to confirm, I am seeing ESPN reporting here that it is just New York, so he wouldn't be able to play uh, in Barclays at MSG. And you're right about Toronto. I don't see anything about Boston, so it's those three arenas against the Raptors, Knicks, and at home as a net where he won't okay, be able to play. give me your reaction. Let's hear what you're thinking. I need some raw emotion from my little brother here. I mean, I want to say it's bad for team chemistry. I want to say that how could we have two different teams playing 50% of games each and everything's going to be fucked up in terms of, of camaraderie and comfortability with one another. But at the end of the day, if you're telling me we're going to have a superstar playing even in just half the games, I can't help but think of 
Riverdale High School soccer senior year, class of 2013, my varsity soccer team. I was captain, no big deal. Uh, my best friend, Anthony Sayre, who played on the New York Red Bull minor team, was banned from playing high school soccer because club soccer teams did not allow players in their developmental programs to play at their own high school. So what we did was Anthony used a fake name, uh, another player who was on the team who no longer played, and would play about 50% of the games for our high school soccer team. Now, when he played, we won quarterfinals of the state tournament, semifinals of the state tournament. He didn't play, and we lost in the championship. So, you know, I want to say it's going to have a huge impact on the team meshing. I want to say that it's going to it's unfair to some younger players and Patty Mills, who's, whose minutes are going to get diminished to Kyrie playing selectively. But at the end of the day, Kyrie is an elite player. He's only going to make the team better when we need him. So I'm okay with it. I, I don't, I don't think anybody is happy with the situation. I don't think anybody's like, yes, like this caveat is super exciting. I think we all want Kyrie back, but it still feels a little underwhelming. It still feels like a half-baked idea. It's like somewhat cool, somewhat shitty blessing and a curse. So I'm okay with it if it'll help our team. Where I get nervous is come playoff time or say hypothetically in the championship against the Los Angeles Lakers, he's only playing against uh, he's only playing in LA, right? Or he's only playing in Dallas. Some, I don't know why I put the Mavericks as a contender or Golden State. That's what worries me. Because if he might be the deciding factor in a, in, a, in a game seven NBA championship series, but unfortunately that game happens to be home, that's what worries me. But it'll be fun to watch in the coming games on the road, uh, depending when he gets here. But I don't think it's sustainable uh, and to, to, to win a championship off of him. Okay, I totally get everything you said. Are you happy or are you upset or are you somewhere in the middle? I'm neutral. Okay. A few things here. You talked about chemistry, camaraderie. This was player-driven. I mean, if you read any of the reports that were coming out before Kyrie announced his return, uh, KD you know, said he's been talking to Kyrie on a regular basis. KD wanted Kyrie back. That That's number one. I think the players in the Nets locker room given the circumstances over the last few weeks with Harden going out with, you know, seven or eight guys on the nets not being available this past week. Um, I think it in a way forced the nets hand because, you know, you, you see they're signing guys off the street, Langston Galloway, Shaq Harrison, um, just all these. Uh, and, and, you know, you look at, you look at this game against the magic. There was just a ton of guys uh, that that had just come in, you know, for both both sides. I there were players on the Magic that I didn't even recognize were in the NBA, but uh, Hassani Gravette is one of them. Um, but I think that the fact that the team is is got hit with COVID really hard, combined with the fact that your team leader and Kevin Durant is saying, "Hey, we got to bring this guy back," I think it sort of forced the the Nets hand, meaning Sean Marks and Joe Sy, to sort of go back on their word that they wouldn't you know have Kyrie be a part-time player and then now they kind of have to say well you know what given the circumstances Steve Nash has to support the decision uh you know Mark's had a presser the other day um look selfishly I'm upset because I'm not going to get to see Kyrie play at Barclays for uh you know for the for the current time being like he's he's not playing home games but that means any game you and i decide to go to or watching on yes we're not going to see Kyrie on that awesome you know court that the brooklyn nets have have put out these last well, few weeks with this, the, is, yeah is he going to start in these road games 100 he's gonna, it's going to be like a normal player 
He's going to be like so. A, there's going to be no period where he has to come off the bench to prove himself again after not playing I don't, for months. I don't. I don't think so, Nick. This is Kyrie Irving. You're saying he about. just jumps back into 35 minutes a game? Yeah, I don't know about 35 minutes, but have you looked at their fucking roster right now. How is Look, he? How's his conditioning? Nick, even before COVID, they were playing Javon Carter as like the second or third guard off the bench. Javon Carter is not a good basketball player. Your your Whoa. guards. What? All right, that's. Fair. I think yeah, that's fair. Your guards are James Harden and Patty Mills. Both have been solid. I mean, Patty's been unbelievable this year for the Nets, and, and Harden's been the second best player. But you're and, and Cam Cam Thomas is great. He's just a little bit young. You're missing one more punch in that backcourt. And if you put Kyrie in there during, even if it's just for away games, he's going to pack that scoring punch that you you know in the games against Milwaukee that they lost or the game against um, the Chicago Bulls. We were missing that one piece. If we have Kyrie in those games, I don't know. Maybe it's a different outcome. All I'm saying is it's better to have him for 50% of the games than not to have him at all. Selfishly, I am disappointed because, look, I, I wanted him to get the vaccine. I, I thought that, you know, he would he would take his time and he would do his research and he would eventually get it. That hasn't happened. Um, I don't I'm changing think- my take. I'm not happy about it. I'm changing okay. my take. Okay, I don't think that they're going to shut the door on him playing home games for for the foreseeable future. I think, you know, he might try to take a a vaccine, even if it's a plant-based vaccine in the next few months. There has to be some sort of solution to get Kyrie available for all games before the playoffs. I don't like the idea of this guy coming in. He's clearly not being a team player if he's the only player on the team who's not getting the vaccine. He's putting himself first. Hold on, hold on. Let me finish. All right, all right. He comes in here. And now he gets to selectively play in a specific number of games, potentially start those games, rip as many volume shots as he wants because he's Kyrie Irving and that's what he does. And a lot of them go in, fortunately, for our team. But this guy just gets to come in, take someone's spot who's been working their ass off and following the COVID mandate and doing everything they need to do to legally be allowed to play. So you're sitting here and you're telling me he could pick and choose what he wants to do for the team based on his own personal preference. And now we just have to accept what he's doing. Let him play the minutes, take away the minutes from the younger guys who I'm not going to say are more talented, but they've done everything they needed to do to be in the position to play. So why is it fair that Kyrie Irving comes in here when Patty Mills has followed all the COVID protocols and Cam Thomas has followed all the COVID protocols, and he's in practice every day, and he's doing everything the Nets organization is asking of him, and the city of New York is asking of him, therefore earning the time to play, earning his time on the court. Kyrie gets to say, no, I don't want to do this anymore. Okay, fine. Now you could just come in and start the games that you want to start. That, to me, is spoiling Kyrie. You either, I, you know, I'm fully, I don't even want to keep going. All right. Do you want the real life answer? Or do you want the fairy tale answer? I don't know what that means. Uh, I'll give you both. So the real life answer is life isn't fair. Okay. Whether it's sports, whether it's a job, whether you know you're trying to become president of the United States, life is not fair. And unfortunately, you know you're right in this situation where guys like David Duke Jr. have thrived in in their role. Cam Thomas has had a very solid rookie campaign so far for Brooklyn. Um, Guys like Kessler Edwards playing their heart out. Even Langston Galloway has has come in off the street and and, and given the Mets Nets some buckets here and there. Um, But this is a player-driven league, okay? If you think that Josiah and Sean Marks run the show 
and Kevin Durant gets absolutely zero say whatsoever. James Harden has zero say. You guys are wrong. You'd be wrong. I mean, this to is, this... look at the football example, right? Chris Godwin, Mike Evans are now out, and the Bucks are now going to bring Antonio Brown back again, despite, what, seven strikes you're out? Of, and, of you course. Know, even Dan Orlovsky, watching, uh, watching Get Up This Morning, was saying they are on- this is a move only because they need a receiver to win, not because they actually want to bring this guy back on their team. So, of, okay, of I will agree with you in that situation where a team sadly sometimes will do whatever it takes to win despite not sticking to their guns and morally and ethically going above and beyond that. I, I mean, think about high school. Like how many times there was a, a player who was really talented who would fuck up, you know, outside of school. Maybe they would get in trouble. Maybe their grades would be bad. And you had some kid straight A's staying in on the weekends, working their ass off just to get benched for, for the guy who, who had issues off the court. I mean, like, look like, how many players in college get by by failing their classes and get a fake, uh, a fake report card. I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you. So, so, you know, our father, Kevin, God bless his soul. Shannon still alive. Um, he has told us our entire lives. that The life late, the late, great Kevin. Jim. He has told us our entire lives that life isn't fair. Now, did you want to hear the fairy tale ending? Uh, okay, part of the don't make it seem thing. like our father is like the most negative, like life isn't fair. No, like he's not negative, but like, if, he would tell us. He'd say if we ever – I've never heard him. I've actually never heard him say that. Well, that's because you haven't had a lot of heart-to-hearts with dad, and I have. So that's just the difference. Um, did you want to hear the fairy tale uh, answer for the Kyrie Irving thing? No. And we okay, move on so the here's Kyrie. the fairy tale thing, right? So when Kyrie Irving comes back during his first road game, he's going to go up to David Duke Jr. And he's going to be like, I want you to take my playing time for the rest of the season. And he's going to walk off. It's the Kyrie underdog story. It's like the Kurt Warner movie. The Kyrie. <laughs> Don't get me started on the Kurt Warner story. Okay. I'd rather watch the Kevin James movie where he plays Sean Payton, which is coming out on Netflix. It looks, Oh, you didn't see this. That's not real. Is that oh my, Nick! Oh my God! Look it up. I forgot what the title of the movie is. That's a real thing. It's a real thing. When Sean Payton was banned from the NFL after Bounty Gate, the year that he, you know, he wasn't coaching the Saints. Apparently, he might have. I don't know if this is based on a true story, but I think he might have coached his children's football team. And Kevin James is playing Sean Payton, and Rob Taylor Schne- Lautner is an assistant coach. Rob Schneider's in the movie. It's like a Happy Madison production thing. It looks incredible. It looks way better than that stupid Zachary Levi no, that Kurt movie, Warner movie. That's getting good reviews. The underdog movie. Oh, oh that should be our family Christmas movie. It will not be our family Christmas movie. I'm not doing Spider-Man No Way Home. I want to either see Kurt Warner, The Underdog Story, or Matrix Revelations. Spider-Man, Spider-Man. And then Leo, right. don't look up. Leo's getting bad reviews, too. By the way, don't. What's Leo? Uh, don't look up. Adam McKay. Oh, the, the Netflix. I don't want to hear any spoilers about Spider-Man. I'm going to see it. I haven't seen it yet. Everyone on Twitter, please shut the hell up. You All kind right. of look like Tom Holland if he uh, ate Tom Holland. We're going to move on, Nick. Um, and the, the, I mean, the craziest part about the whole Kyrie Irving thing, this is the last thing I'll say, they announced him back on Friday and he obviously has to go through all these protocols to make sure he's, he's okay. And he tests for COVID. And then the next day they're like, Oh, Kyrie Irving has entered health and safety protocols. Well, he's not. So they have one road game. Then they they're back at home three games in a row. So I think they're just going to wait till afterwards. Why, why even, safe. why even announce it on Friday? If you knew you were going to get that on Saturday, you should have just waited till Saturday. Um, the other big news, obviously, after two incredible games by Kevin Durant, he was literally running away with Eastern Conference Player of the Week. Um, Saturday, it's it's 
the information's released that he is now in health and safety protocols. And I don't know if these players are positive or negative for COVID, but if Kevin Durant was positive, this would be the second time that he's had COVID. So just sucks, man. Like you do everything right. You follow the guidelines. You're vaccinated in KD's case. And unfortunately you play a contact sport with, you know, minimum nine other dudes on the court at a time. And the, a fucking minimum. Fire, Sometimes minimum. they play with more. Right. No, <laughs> like, and then you got the refs. So add another three or four. And then the, it's a virus that spreads. It's transmissible through like the air. So it's like, you're obviously all going to get COVID at some point. Uh, but hated that it was Kevin Durant. Um, were you kind of shocked and outraged when, when you saw KD go down? Because if KD was able to play on Saturday and the Nets finished the week three and oh, that would have been fucking awesome. I don't know, man. I almost feel like health and safety pro- pro- protocols is another way of giving KD a rest. He's been carrying the team on his back for weeks. It's against the last place magic. Or really, are they or maybe they're tied for last place with the Pistons. Maybe, maybe they just passed him at this point by beating us. But I don't know. He deserves a rest, dude, especially against the Magic team that we still almost beat with our G League lineup. So uh, it's fine with me. He's been doing more than enough. Uh, he's, he's done everything we've asked and more. So I can't blame the guy for either taking a rest or health and safety protocol, whatever's going on. I hope he's okay if he's actually sick. But this to me just seems like, hey, he's taking some time to chill. What is this, a conspiracy theory? I don't think that – I think they would just announce that he's taking a rest. No, no, no. You think the Nets are too smart for that? Yeah, they don't want anybody thinking he's tired. Right, yeah, so they just put him in health and say, yeah, Katie, take the next 10 days off. Um, all right, so you, you brought up the Magic game. Let's get into it. Uh, this was the Nets' first loss in a few games, 100-93. to the Orlando Magic took it. Um, very weird game. To it was watch. fun. It was a fun. It, it, it was, you know, it uh, felt like a college basketball game. I mean, you know, it's a weird game when Robin Lopez is the high man for the Magic with 20 points and 10 rebounds. Uh, Gary Harris added 17 points, seven rebounds. You had Franz Wag- Wagner with 14. Okiki had 15 and a few huge three pointers for Okiki at the end. I, I think he was he was the reason the uh, the Magic were able to close this out. Um, as I mentioned earlier, a few guys, if you look at the Magic bench that I've just never heard of before, Hassani Gravett's one of them, um, Schofield, Ford, uh, I don't know who who is BJ Johnson's another one. Just, I've never heard of these guys. So shout out to the Magic for, for winning a, a tough game like this. I mean, look, the Nets weren't going to fold. They were not going to just pack it in and, and say, all right, well, we'll hey, before, can I just yeah. read the injury report? Cause we haven't mentioned, obviously you mentioned the big names. Joe Harris is still out from that ankle surgery. Um, Kevin Durant was out as well because of, uh, of health and safety protocols, but let me just read this December 14th. Sure. Uh, injury report for the Nets. for the Nets, Bruce Brown out COVID protocols, Harden out health and safety protocols, James Johnson out health and safety protocols, Javon Carter, same thing. Deandre Bembry, same thing. LaMarcus Aldridge, same thing. Paul Millsap, same thing. And then we get to December 18th, Dayron Sharp now out, Kyrie Irving still obviously out, and KD out. So this you, is, mentioned, you mentioned Harden, right? Yes, Harden. Okay. Was, so this is who we're missing uh, going into the last two games. So when people right. – we're talking about this G League lineup. If you miss this game, the Nets lineup against the Magic, or the only active players against the Magic, were Kessler Edwards, David Duke, Blake Griffin, Patty Mills, Cam Thomas, Langston Galloway, Shaq Harrison and James Ennis, who we had to pick right. up and put on 10 day contract. So right. that's what we say. G league players. I just wanted to clarify if you, you could jump back into the game to give some context. No, totally understand. And, and like I said, it's been a weird week for Nets fans, right? Like 
you know, we'll get into our wins, but this game was a game that you expected to lose. I, I mean, you would you, you you know you like the you like to win, but you understand you're going into this game with virtually nobody. And the fact that KD had carried them on Tuesday and Thursday, and yes, they got help from the rookies and Patty Mills and Blake Griffin. But when you lose a piece like Kevin Durant, I mean, it's like the Bulls playing without Michael Jordan. It's like the Lakers playing without LeBron James. It's just going to negatively affect your team. So the Nets got out to a shitty start in this one. It was 26 to 17 after one. Uh, they pushed in the second. They outscored the Magic 27 to 24. Um, and then the rest of the game, it was it was pretty hit or miss. You know, 24 to 22 Magic in the third, 27 to 26 Nets in the fourth. Uh some good signs. Blake Griffin, three three-pointers in this one. He did shoot three out of 10. He had 17 points. Uh, Patty Mills was your high man with 23. I mean, he did not shoot well from the field. Two of 14 from three, 10 of 24 from the field overall. Yeah, David Duke Jr. I think he had 16 points in the fourth quarter. He finished with 18 on the game, 14 rebounds. He is a player that I think the Nets fan base has instantly fallen in love with. He's someone who I think Sean Mark should absolutely keep around. He has that Bruce Brown motor. He has that, I'm going to hustle and get every single rebound and every single loose ball. I probably, I, I, I have to. Like, that's his attitude. And, I, I, you know, I love watching him play. Kessler Edwards. I mean, he's another, good. Well, I want to I yeah. stay on uh, David yeah, Duke, Duke Jr. He's good on ball. He's good off ball. He's a solid defender. He makes good runs. Like you said, he's a hustle guy. He he, he grinds. He's out there right. catching rebounds. Every single play, he's crashing the boards. What I love most about him, though, is how quickly he's gaining confidence. Now, oh, if you yeah. watch him over the past few games, he was really hesitant and afraid to shoot. You watch him not in this last game. Not, not a great, great shooter. Not a great shooter. But if you watch him in this yeah. Magic, not, no, not a great shooter in general, yes. But yeah. how much of that stems from a mental aspect? You brought up from the G League. You're instantly thrown into the starting lineup. Well, and then I, last I, game, I think you should be able to shoot if you're a guard of the NBA. I think last game, his confidence was coming out. He was driving. He was aggressive. He was finishing. Like you said, he put up 18 points. That, to me, is a huge step going forward because confidence is half the battle. The shot will come. He hit a nice open three during crunch yes. time. It was. He didn't even think twice about it. He caught it and he stroked it. So David Duke Jr. is the player to watch for me. The only other comment I'll make about this game, and I'll let you wrap it up because uh, it's a fun game. We almost came back. Not much to say. Cam Thomas, to me, and he's exciting. He's an electric scorer. He, he's super quick. He can get to the rack. He does amazing finishes. We cut this game to three with about, I want to say, 40 seconds left. Cam Thomas just came down the court with a full shot clock, ran to the right wing and took a fading three-pointer with a guy in his face and tried to be a hero. It was so unnecessary. It was so forced. And that, to me, was the saddest, most disappointing part of that game because we had came all the way back. Patty Mills was the vet. Uh, David Duke was the young guy, and they were kind of taking turns scoring, going back and forth. Griffin was finishing. Griffin had a nice and one at the end of that game too. But it was Cam Thomas, to me, who kind of looked the most like a young rook when he decided – Oh, I could just huck this up with three seconds, the with, with as uh, with three seconds into the shot clock. So that to me was a big factor, um, and it was tough to watch. I think Cam Thomas has to be a little smarter with the ball. Yeah. So first to David Duke Jr. He was the reason. Make no mistake, he was the reason that the Nets were in this game in the fourth quarter. I mean, he did everything within his power to try to will them to victory. A few awesome put back dunks from David Duke Jr. off the rebound, like you as you mentioned, he hit the three. Yeah, if he can improve anywhere, it's his shooting. But you know just really good 
three-game stretch for David Duke Jr. In regards to Cam Thomas, Cam Thomas is someone who has really flourished playing alongside of KD and Harden. You know, he's sort of gained their respect. When, when he's open, they pass him the ball, he hits some open shots. I think this was a weird game for him because I think in his head, he probably knows – Pound for pound off the dribble, he's probably the most talented scorer on the Nets in this one, right? Like you can make the argument for Patty Mills, you can make the argument for for Blake Griffin, but you know, in regards to who has the most in their bag, it's Cam Thomas. So I think he looked at this game and he said, "I got to take over. I got to try to be Kevin Durant. I got to try to be James Harden." You can do that in the G League. You can do that with the Long Island Nets. You can't do that with the Brooklyn Nets yet. I don't care if you're playing the Magic G League team. I don't care if you know. The best player on the Magic is Gary Harris and, and Robin Lopez. You can't, you know, he shot seven of 20. He got 20 shots up, one of seven from three, uh, four turnovers. He's a minus six on the, on the night. He just seemed to be doing a little bit, tr- trying to do a little bit too much. And I understand that because in his head, he knows he's probably the best scorer on the floor, but you're just not, you're just not there yet. You're just not, you know, experienced enough. You have a lot of growing to do. So, um, it's a learning process. I think this is, it was a learning moment for Cam Thomas. You know, he, he gets it. He understands uh, after that loss, probably a few shots he could have had back, whatever. I do want to bring up Kessler Edwards. We'll talk more about him in the previous two games, but outside of David Duke Jr., Edwards has been the most impressive rookie. And the fact that he is uh, during this three game stretch and the fact that he is six, seven, but he's a lot bigger. He's got a long wingspan. He can hit the three. He can create a little bit off the dribble. He can rebound the ball. He is another guy. You know, the fact that the Nets have these, these waning older talents and Blake Griffin and Paul Millsap and, and LaMarcus Aldridge isn't young. Yes, they have Nick Claxton, but Edwards is a guy who can definitely see some run down the stretch with this team. Um, and he just, he does a lot of things that you like similar to David Duke jr. He has that motor, but he's also smart. He makes a lot of smart decisions on the court. So I was very happy with Edwards. We'll get more into it in the other games. Um, okay. I want to wrap up the magic. Let's go back all the way to Tuesday night. Nick, give me the, uh, the sound effects to, to rewind back to last Tuesday. Uh, we lost to the magic by the way, 100 to 93, I believe. Yeah. I said that. Uh, I just wanted to reiterate. You're a terrible uh, listener. Scoobity boobity boobity boo. No, it's it's Wayne's World. No. Anyway, so as Nick mentioned, uh, not a lot of guys were available for the Nets this last week, and it started on Tuesday night. It was pretty much the same lineup as the Magic, except with KD. With KD, correct. And we went to that Raptors game thinking, all right, they they got Siakam, they got Van Vliet, they got Scotty Barnes, they got Carrie Trent Jr. They basically have all their heavy hitters probably going to lose this game. This was such a heroic effort by Kevin Durant, 34 points, 13 rebounds, 11 assists. He shot 12 of 29 from the field. Um, Just an incredible performance from him. Patty Mills, 30 points. It's a guy who averages 15 a game. He had 30 in this one, 10 of 20 from the field, seven of 14, a huge three pointer to tie the game in regulation, send it to overtime. Nick Claxton gave you 16 points. David Duke Jr. gave you 10. Blake Griffin gave you 13. And then Kessler Edwards, I was singing his praises three minutes ago. 17 points for Kessler Edwards off the bench, 10 rebounds, 
Seven that's of 12. A double, that's field. a double-double for David Duke and Kessler Edwards. Yes, 10, re- 10 points and 13 rebounds for David Duke Jr., 17 points and 10 rebounds for Kessler Edwards. Those two guys were phenomenal. You know, you add the Claxton numbers out there, and then you got the Mills and Durant combining for 64 points. Um, they were able to outlast the Raptors in overtime, 11 to 9 was was that overtime differential, and we won this game 131 to 129. Um, despite Van Vliet going off for 31, he missed a shot in regulation to win the game. And then Scotty Barnes, who is, is my, 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 my opinion might be rookie of the year, 23 points for him, 12 rebounds. He had a half court heave as time expired in overtime to win the game for the Raptors. It looked good. He missed it. So great win for the Nets. Great overtime thriller, uh, for those who attended the game. What were your major takeaways from this one, Nick? Well, the first thing I want to say is I know you mentioned the Raptors are pretty much fully healthy, but they are missing. They were missing OG and Nobi in this game, who I actually believe is the most complete player on the team on both sides. The ball averages 20 points a game and and man's up against the best guy on the other team. So, yes, a a Raptors team that is much healthier than we were, um, but they were missing one big factor. Uh, This was just an all around great. This was a fun. This was a fun game to me. This was like. I don't I'm trying to think of a way to describe it. It was almost like KD's like the the big kid at school and all these little kids are around him and they look up to him and they just want to fit in and be a part of it. And KD's like, all right, I'm going to feed you. You guys get open, my children, and I will feed you and I will give you the confidence to hit shots. And KD being the kind of rock in the center of the core of this team was what I love so much about KD. He wasn't just scoring at such an efficient level. He was so willing to dish it out and then encourage these young guys. He had yeah. a couple just really nice where he could have pulled up with a guy in his face from the elbow and taken a jumper, which is an easy shot for him, but he faced up, dished it off to Kessler Edwards or David Duke, who had a wide open uh, uh, layup, or he passed it off to Patty Mills for three. This is a selfless game by KD, but it was also one of the first times I've really uh, looked at KD as a leader. I think KD one realized- One of the first times? Yeah, Katie's not a he's not a vocal leader. He's not a hype yeah. man. He's he's not someone who sits everyone down and hypes them up. I think you have different types of leaders. We already talked about this. You have LeBron James, who is going to literally pull you aside. He is the ultimate leader. You have Chris Paul, who is going to teach you how to play your position, how to get open. And you have KD, who mostly leads with talent. He leads with his ability on the court, but he's not the guy who's gonna who's gonna take you aside in a timeout and hey man, keep your head up. And he's not going to yell at you on the court in this game. Was the, was the most I've seen KD create for other people and encourage them to keep shooting. And he needed to. It was so important in this specific situation, missing Harden, missing all these guys that were uh, due to his health safety protocols to take these young guys under his wing and give them the confidence to score. So this was the KD show to me. Uh, Patty Mills, unbelievable all season. And then Nick Claxton, 16 and 7. We've been waiting for Claxton to come back and provide this big body off the bench that Blake Griffin was kind of missing for us. And LaMarcus all just needed some help with. And I think Claxton finally, and the Raptors are a strong team too. These are. are athletic guys. Claxton was banging with the best of them and he's confident as well. I watched Claxton take someone off the dribble from the, from I think the right wing top of the three, a couple, uh, a couple feet to the right. He did like a one, two cross and drove with like three big steps. I didn't even know he had that to his game. So I'll reiterate what you said. Big, big, big moves from David Duke and Kessler Edwards off the bench. Still not super efficient scorers, but they played great hustling, rebounding as well. KD carried us home. Patty Mills has the second compliment there. And I'm really excited for what we're seeing from Claxton. If he can keep building off of this, go closer to those double-doubles per game, kind of a Clint Capella type, um, then I'm excited for what he has for the rest of the season. 
I'll start with Clax. I think that a few weeks ago we saw, you know, the defensive side of Clax, right? He was clamping up Luka Doncic and Trey Young in crunch time, and you know what he brings defensively. But offensively, he was, what, getting like six to eight points a game, not really doing much. He scored 16 in this one. I think he had um, 17 or 18 in the 76ers game. I'll check the box score in a second. Uh, eight of 10 from the field. His confidence on offense is growing. You really like to see that. Um as far as Edwards and David Duke Jr. go, I think that Edwards is more there as a scorer right now than David Duke Jr. I think he's just got a little bit more in his bag. He's more confident shooting the ball. Um, but David Duke Jr., you know, a little same same as Orlando, not as much in this one. Uh, I mean, he did have 10 and 13, but it's the little things with these guys. You know, that, that's what's going to get them more time. And ironically, this is a bad game for Cam Thomas. Four points in, in 22 minutes, two of 10 from the field. Uh, three turnovers. He was a minus six. So, you know, you'd like to see him show up with David Duke Jr. and and Kessler Edwards. But this week has been more about them than it's been about Cam Thomas. Um, and Dayron Sharp finished with seven. So out of all four rookies, Cam Thomas was the low man. Uh, he was the low man on the court in, in this entire game with the eight guys they had. The Nets only had eight players active in this, one, which means Kevin Durant played 48 minutes. So you, you kind of looked at this game and said this was a fun one. I did not. I looked at this as like, if we can start this week and somehow win this game, I, I it's a breath of fresh air. I can breathe a sigh of relief. And, you know, you, you go into the game against Philadelphia on Thursday, sort of playing with house money. So that's exactly how I felt. I, had, I attended the game on Thursday um, with my fiance. Sorry, Nick, you went to the first one. She went to this one. You will obviously go back to the next one with me. So no, her after the, no, 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 the next one. I want to go with her, me and Victoria. There you go. You and Victoria can go to the next one. I'll just, I'll just sit at home and watch and, and eat a big bowl of Ben and Jerry's ice cream. Um, this was a game where I thought, okay, the Sixers have Joel Embiid, Seth Curry, Shake Milton, Tobias Harris, Danny Green. Essentially, they're starting five with the exception of Tyrese Maxey, who's been starting over Shake Milton. So you don't have Tyrese Maxey, but you have everybody else. You have Drummond. You have Thibel coming off the bench. You have this Isaiah Joe guy who had a really bad game against us. But you were pretty much almost at full strength if, if you're the Sixers. The Nets go into this game with the same eight guys from Tuesday – Plus, you signed Langston Galloway, who hasn't been employed by an NBA team in, in I don't know how long, maybe since last year. But he, he, well, he didn't have a home for the first few weeks of this NBA season. So you go into this game, and I'm thinking, probably going to lose this one. Playing with house money you won on Thursday, or you won on Tuesday. The Nets came out of the gate in this one, Nick. They put up 39 points in the first quarter. Claxton, I mentioned he had 17 points in this one, but he started the game with like six or eight points right away. Off the bat, he was killing it. Eight of nine from the field for Claxton. Again, shooting numbers very high for him. Durant, another 30-burger. He had 34 in this one. 11 rebounds, eight assists, two assists shy of a triple-double. Um, Blake Griffin gave you 17 and a huge – we'll get to the end of the game in a second. Uh, Claxton, I mentioned 17. David Duke Jr. had six in this one. Cam Thomas had 11. He came and gave you some good minutes. Kessler Edwards had nine. Patty Mills had 14. Uh, four of eight from three for Patty Mills. Nice little game for him. Um, this was, you know, a game in which the Nets dominated the first half. Like the Sixers had no idea what hit them. It was this weird, oh shit, Blake Griffin doesn't look bad. He's making plays. Uh, the young guys are making plays. Patty Mills is hitting every three-pointer. Kevin Durant can't miss. 
The third quarter rolls around, and like Joel Embiid was like, you guys forget who the fuck I am. He finished with 32, but he dominated that third quarter. I think he went to the line like every other possession. Um, and the Sixers outscored us in the third, 31 to 19. Heading into the fourth, the Sixers still have that momentum. They're scoring, they're scoring, they're scoring. I think that they they either went up one or they tied the game with KD on the bench. Nash brings back KD. He didn't quite eclipse 40 minutes, Nick. He he, he hit 39 minutes, which is pretty damn close. Um, but down the stretch in this one, it was such a fun game. You had KD going down the court, bucket, others other way, Embiid, bucket, other way, Patty Mills, three, just basket after basket until finally it's a tie ball game with about three minutes left. Kevin Durant does his patented. What's the shot he hit when he was with the Warriors against the Cavs twice? It's the step into a pull-up three. I'm going to drill it in your face, Tobias Harris, and you're going to foul me a four-point play to put the Nets up four. Very next possession, the Nets are still up four. Who hits a three-pointer? The worst three-point shooter on the team, uh, statistically-wise, percentage-wise, Blake Griffin. Blake Griffin was 0 of 4 from 3. That's probably, that was probably his biggest shot of the season. Biggest shot of the season for Blake Griffin. They they doubled Durant right when he crossed half court. He gave it to Blake. Blake's, you know, confident, hits the 3. That was all she wrote. Um I saw so before we get into the after the game comments by Doc Rivers, I mean, for me this was such a fun win because the Sixers are a good basketball team. They're not at, they're not as gritty as the Raptors, but I think they're more talented. I would, I would take Embiid over anybody on the Raptors. I mean, they have a very formidable one, two punch in Embiid and Harris. Harris was terrible in this one, by the way, the Nets held him to 11 points on three of 17 shooting. They really did a good job on Tobias, but yeah, Sixers are 15 and 15. They're a 500 team. Yes. And you, you pretty much covered everything from Brooklyn. Uh, Mm. It was a good all around game, especially for our bigs Claxton and Griffin. Uh, who I think Claxton kind of matched him on points, right? Yep. They yeah, both they both had 17. They yep. both finished with 17. But the whole time I'm watching this game, and I haven't caught that many Sixers games this season, I'm thinking, wow, they need Benson. Yeah, they could use Benson. They are yep. shooting. They're batting 500 right now with the talent they have. They should not be 500. Seth Curry, I'm sorry, Seth Curry's the man. Yeah. He is a dog. He is a great shooter. He's smooth. He's smart. I love the way he plays. But, dude, we out rebounded. The 76ers with Joel Embiid by 10. We out-rebounded them offensively by 5. We out-assisted them. We out-defended them. This is the 76ers we're talking about. A championship contender probably over the last five years, you could say, with arguably Joel Embiid being a top 10 player and Simmons being maybe just outside of that. So the fact that we out-rebounded them, no Simmons. We out-assisted them, no Simmons. And Tobias Harris couldn't hold a candle guarding KD I would have probably put Simmons on KD or kept switching so that Simmons had KD and had Simmons crash the boards. You're missing one of your best rebounders, one of your best passers, and one of your best defenders. So although I'm a Nets fan, although I'm I'm so pumped we got this win and we had so many great takeaways from our team, I couldn't help but think, man, the Sixers are dumb if they don't find a way to bring back Ben Simmons sitting at 500, uh, clearly too many weak spots. I don't think they're going to find a way to bring him back. I think that relationship is is finished. Um, back to Seth Curry. He had 29 points in this one. He He's a player, man. He missed a shot, and I screamed, you ain't Steph. And uh, some guy, like, sitting two rows behind me just goes, that's mean. And I was like, I'm sorry. You know, it was, he was kind of rude. Del, to me. Del yelled at you. Yeah, Del yelled at me. 
Um, I did have a fun time at the game, by the way. Thanks for asking, Nick. Uh, I met up with Keith McPherson. Shout out to Keith, our, our WFAN radio host and Talking Nets host. Uh, met up with him. Met up with Nets superfan Doug Barrick and his father. They were both at the game. Um, I met up with Hudson. Hudson's a known Nets guy, former host of Talking Nets. Uh, he, he was there. And I think that was it. But met up with all them. We took a great Nets group picture together. Shout out to all those guys. And um, yeah. And then, so the thing that bothered me after this game, I'm reading, uh, Doc Rivers was furious with officiating, said that the Sixers didn't get any calls in the fourth quarter. And, you know, he, he thought it was uh, the hometown refs were helping out the Nets. Hey, Doc, if you want to win this game, why don't you shoot better than 29% from three? Don't allow the Nets to shoot close to 50% from three. Don't send the Nets to the line. By the way, the 76ers shot 20 free throws to the Nets' 16 free throws. I don't want to hear it, okay? Embiid is a great player. He is an all-star. He is going to go down as one of the most talented big men to ever play. But he isn't clutch in the fourth quarter. He just isn't. I never see him make and take the same shots that Kevin Durant is making come crunch time. He just doesn't do it. He, he's short. He, he, he pussies it on the front rim. For some reason, he doesn't have that closer mentality. And that's what the Sixers thought they had with Tobias Harris. He's not it either. The problem with the Sixers is they don't have a closer and it wasn't Ben Simmons. So let's, let's not pretend like if Ben Simmons were here, their, their offensive. I think Seth Curry can hit some big shots and I don't necessarily agree with you. I think Joel Embiid is extremely clutch. I mean, when you, I've seen him literally get the ball in the post 10 plays in a row with two minutes left and score every single time and get like three end ones to win games. So, all right, well that makes one of us. I haven't seen that. Uh, I think Embiid's a beast. Also news, <coughs> news flash doc rivers isn't a real doctor. So thank you. Um, the one, the final thing I'll say about, you know, Kevin Durant is, it looks like, and I think you said that it, it just looks like he's playing the game on easy mode and everybody else is playing medium or hard. The, the things that he is able to do, it's almost like there's no defender in front of him. The, the pull-up three on Tobias Harris was filthy. He had Danny Green in his feels in this one. Every single time Danny Green contested KD and he missed the shot, it was basically a foul and the refs were calling it because they were fouls. And Danny Green was like, what do you want me to do? I can't block the shot. I can't really contest the shot because because KD's jump shot is so perfect. I, he, Green. I, I mean, he was crying the whole game and it was very fun. The he Sixers like were, were whining. You know, Doc Rivers called a timeout with three seconds left in this game down whatever they were. And by the way, the final score of that game was 114 to 105. Brooklyn won the game. He called a timeout with three seconds left to go over and complain to the refs. And he held up a zero to say, we've had zero fouls called on us. That's not the ref's fault. That's your fault. You have one guy who attacks the paint in, in Joel Embiid. Outside of him, nobody else really takes it to the rim. Tobias Harris, Danny Green, Seth Curry are jump shooters. They're jump shooting players. I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. You don't have Ben Simmons barraging in the lane. You don't have a, a strong, aggressive David Duke Jr. type trying to get to the rim. Actually, you know what? Throws. Ben Simmons would have gone to the free throw line in this, in this game. He just would have missed the free throws. So just an unbelievable week for the Nets to finish 2-1. and one, And then obviously you get the, sh the, the the news about Kyrie on Friday, the crap news about Kevin Durant Kyrie on Saturday. Um, as I mentioned in the beginning of the show, the Nuggets game on Sunday was postponed. So, you know, what have we learned from this team? What have we learned from, from Sean Marks this week? Um, 
We're still in first place, right? What's the record, Nick? Pull up the record. We're 21 and 9. We're two games ahead of the uh, Chicago Bulls, who are 18 and 10. We're uh, 10 and 6 at home, 11 and 3 on the road, and we're 7 and 3 in our last 10. What have we learned about these young guns? They're hungry, man. They're Pac-Men. They're Pac-Men trying to get those little cherries and and hit the eat and make the thing glow in the dark so that they could eat the other Pac-Man. You know what I'm saying? They want yeah. it more. I watched these young guys, Kessler Edwards, David Duke, uh, Dayron Sharp. I watched them play veteran players and, and want it more, go after every loose ball, body them down low, and earn a win off of sheer willpower. Um, so – I got to also attribute that to Nash and to Marks and the administration because it takes a lot to put a Cam Thomas a few weeks ago out onto the court and give him the confidence to shoot the ball and hit big shots. It takes yeah. a lot to put Kessel Edwards, David Duke out there and say, hey, we're putting the ball in your hands. We have no other option and we trust you, right? They're playing Kessel Edwards and David Duke over James Anus and Langston James Galloway. There you so go. for good reason. I think they're better players already and this is their what third professional basketball game. So Pending, everyone gets healthy quickly. I like where we're at. I like the development of the young guys. But I think the biggest takeaway from the season so far is there is no one you would rather have on your professional basketball team than Kevin Durant. And I know LeBron James is in this league. And I would rather right now, the way they're both playing, have Kevin Durant on my team than LeBron James. I'll tell you this. How many guys are up to the challenge that Kevin Durant was on Tuesday and Thursday night in this league? I think the answer is very few. I think if you present LeBron James, Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, Luka Doncic, if you say, hey, it's going to be you and a bunch of guys that really don't see minutes, they might want the night off. Kevin Durant just wants to hoop. I'll tell you one guy. I'll tell you one guy in this league right now who's working as hard as KD, DeMar DeRozan. DeRozan, MVP candidate. Single-handedly beat the Lakers, 38 points. He yeah. can score at will. So he's, he's no Durant. He's no Durant. Right. But I, right now, if I'm saying there's anybody in the league competing as hard as Durant to score and to carry his team, it's DeMar DeRozan. Right. Yeah. No, I, I get it. And, and the fact that Durant was up to the challenge, and I will say this, you know, this is a what we learned segment. Patty Mills is a leader of this team. He might not be in the big three, but he is a leader. The, the, the performances that he put on – in the Sixers game and the Raptors game. And then even, you know, even though he was cold from, from the field in that magic game, he was still out there. You know, he was still, he was still pulling shots. He is a leader. He is a gritty player. He can score. He can do a lot. And I just, the energy that Patty Mills brings is something that the Nets did not have last year. I mean, you can say that, you know, I'm not sure, you know, it might be a, uh, an opinion thing. If you're choosing between Shamit and Patty Mills, I mean, who would you choose? Probably Patty Mills, right? That's no not question. even a question. But my, my point is this. Shamit's averaging like six points a game I know, in, I know. in Phoenix my, right my, now. Patty my, Mills my, averaging 14. My point is this. Patty Mills brings you what Shamit would bring you on the three-point side of things. Like, they're both three-point specialists. But Patty Mills brings you an energy that I think is unrivaled by a lot of guys in that position. How many three and D guy? And Patty's more than a three and D guy, but how many three-point specialists play with the energy on defense that Mills brings or the toughness on offense. He's just, he's everything you love in a player because at the end of the day, he isn't one of the best guys on the court, but he's going to give you everything he has. And that's what I love about Patty Mills. I got to say, right. I was looking up Landry Shamit and somebody on FanDuel hit a $15 to an $80,000 bet. Did you see this? No, it was, it was uh, on December 17th. Uh, so that's been three days ago. They had Justin holiday to score 15 points or more, Blake Griffin to score 15 points or more, Daniel Tice to score 15 points or more, and Landry Shamit to score 15 points or more. And they, they hit all it. hit $82,000 oh, wow. on a $15 wager. 
Nice, 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 nice. Um, I just had two random thoughts about that 76ers game. Andre Drummond, very good backup center, by the way. He had a move where he bum-rushed Nick Claxton, dunked on him, and then did this cool, like, big man dance. And he picked Patty Mills' pocket and had a fast-break dunk. Like, he actually looked stronger than Embiid at times in that game. But shout-out to Andre Drummond. Really good pickup for the 76ers in the offseason. All right, Nick, and we're going to end the podcast with one more segment. It's called What It's Like to Get Hate and Vitriol from Dozens of People on Social Media. So I haven't told you this story, but I had a friend send me a picture of James Dolan, the owner of the Knicks, at a sports book in the Bahamas, sitting with his mask half off, casually probably placing sports bets. Nothing wrong with this picture. Kid sends it to me. He goes, you should post this on one of your Twitter accounts. I'm like, all right, fine. So I post a tweet, you know, I, the tweet read, NBA players are getting COVID left and right. The season is on the precipice of having to postpone itself for a week. And James Dolan is at the Baja something sports club or sports book in the Bahamas hanging out. And the amount of hate responses that I received, I mean, within, I guess, five to six hours of posting this, I had about 20 to 25 responses. And it was all kill yourself. SAD, you know, so what is he supposed to do? You're an idiot. You're an attention seeking douchebag. Just like every fucking mean, hateful comment that you can get. And I got to be honest with you, Nick, I've been on Twitter for a few years. I've never received comments like this. The Knicks fan base was brutal. Like they wanted me dead. So I deleted the tweet. I don't like, I don't like responses like that. I don't care that I had like 10,000 impressions. It, the tweet did very well from a, from a reach standpoint, but look, I don't really care enough about the Knicks. I don't care enough about James Dolan. I just thought it was funny. And it was like the, the picture was gifted to me, but to answer my question of what it's like to receive hate and vitriol on social media, it's not fun. Don't like it. Would it do it again? If I don't have to. Whatever they said to you, I agree with. Wow. All right. With that horrible fucking comment by my little brother, we are going to end the show. Thank you guys for listening to another episode of Fireside Nets with Spen and Nick brought to you by Empire Sports Media. Stay safe out there. Nick is just coming off of COVID. I'm literally waiting on my parents to get their results. So if I can see them or not in the next day or so. Um, it's tough out there. So just be careful, wear your mask, protect yourself. If you can get the vaccine, get the booster, do it if you want to. If not, you're only going to be able to play away games. Fair point. All right. Who's who's doing the, the closing this week? You or me? Uh, you got it. What song? Closing time. All right. Catch you on the fireside.